Grace, mercy, and peace to you, beloved, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine. Imagine the hearts, the heavy hearts, the sorrow, the grief of President Abraham Lincoln and the crowd gathered at Gettysburg, at Gettysburg. That had been the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. Undoubtedly, they stood there in hushed silence, surrounded by all the graves, the new, fresh graves of the fallen soldiers, some 3,500 fallen soldiers, some 50,000 wounded. And out of that hushed silence rang out President Abraham Lincoln's words, four score and seven years ago. Four score and seven years ago, only 87 years earlier, God had brought forth a new nation dedicated to that marvelous proposition that all men are created equal. Yet as Abraham Lincoln spoke, that new nation was consumed by conflict, conflict over that very proposition of equality. Now think about some 1,800 years before that. James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, writing, writing to Christians, perhaps tears in his eyes, sorrow in his heart, and grief as he wrote that portion of the letter that we have before us today. To congregations, to Christian ministers scattered due to Christian persecution, yet those congregations consumed by conflict and strife. Remember, as I said a couple of weeks back, this letter may likely be the very earliest letter, the first document in the New Testament, penned only about a score, 20 or so years after Jesus accomplished everything by his life, death, resurrection, ascended, ascension and reigning at God's right hand. And yet in that oh so short a time, those Christian congregations, those Christian pastors, supposedly united by the good news of what Jesus had accomplished, that forgiveness and salvation that was found in his name, were consumed by conflict, were consumed by strife. Imagine that hushed silence in those first Christian congregations when this part of James' letter was read to them. Who is wise and understanding among you? What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Questions, some very pointed and direct questions. Perhaps you've been asked questions like this by your medical doctor when you see him for some physical need. Your doctor asks questions, sometimes very embarrassing questions, as he examines, as he evaluates, as he diagnoses your medical condition, and before he provides whatever medicine or medical treatment. That's kind of what James is doing right here in his letter. He's asking questions. He's examining. He's diagnosing the spiritual condition of those early first century congregations. Again, 
just about a score, 20 or so years after Jesus died and rose again. And pull out your bulletin and look at what he found. The spiritual sickness, the spiritual infirmities in these early first century congregations. In addition to what I've already mentioned, that conflict and strife, in verse 14, James pointed out bitter jealousy as well as selfish ambition. Look at verse 15. He talked about a wisdom, but an earthly wisdom, an unspiritual wisdom, which is in fact a demonic wisdom. And in verse 16, he pointed out disorder and every vile, every vile practice. And as he goes into chapter 4, verse 1, he talks about passions, passions, leading to verse 2. Murder? Murder? Is James actually saying these Christians are going around murdering each other? Maybe he's using a bit of hyperbole here. Kids, you know what I mean by that hyperbole? Over-exaggeration. But in chapter 4, verse 4, I think there's no hyperbole when he writes about Friendship with the world. Friendship with the world, which is enmity with God, which is making yourself to be an enemy of God. Wow! Talk about a spiritually sick congregations. Talk about congregational life at its worst. James, in his letter, very carefully is diagnosing, very carefully setting before his readers their spiritually sick condition, much as a medical doctor is going to do after examining and diagnosing a medical need. Now, your doctor doesn't tell you what's wrong with you to make you feel bad, to make you feel worthless, but that you might receive. That you might take whatever medicine, whatever surgery, whatever medical technique, whatever therapy or combination thereof, that will restore your health. If you love life, that will restore your health. That, your, that the patient enjoys health and physical wholeness and extended life. And so that's what James is doing in this letter. He's writing about all that's bad, all that's wrong, all that's sinful, so that these early first century congregations, those who love spiritual life, those who love the Lord, those who love His forgiveness and salvation, might welcome that which brings spiritual health and hope and restoration. Because sadly, as you know, dear Christians, there are some who sit in the Christian congregation that don't give a hoot about whatever spiritual advice they receive. But they let the words go in one ear and out the other, just like some do when they go to the doctor. They don't follow the doctor's advice. So what is the spiritual medicine for these congregations? Look at verse 15. Verse 15. Wisdom that comes down from above. And more shortly, in verse 17, wisdom from above. And that's the title of my sermon for today, Wisdom from Above. So first, for this wisdom from above, we need that ability to recognize it, to recognize this wisdom from above because there is, as James tells us, another wisdom. And that wisdom, we could say, is from below. It is a wisdom that is earthly. 
It is a wisdom that is unspiritual. It is a wisdom that is, in fact, demonic. Demonic. And this is a wisdom that no person in his or her right mind should want to receive, want to believe, want to embrace and live by, though sadly, sadly, many do. Now, as William Shakespeare once said, all that glitters is not gold. All that glitters is not gold. There's real gold and there's fool's gold. It's called pyrite. So with wisdom, we need that ability to recognize the difference between that which is wisdom from above and that which is wisdom from below. And I'm sure you know, right? You know that you and no one, we are not born with that ability to recognize the difference between these wisdoms. This is God's gift. This is God's gracious gift. Wise King Solomon penned in the book of Proverbs, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end its way to death. We hear that in Proverbs twice. So God needs to give us that ability to distinguish the difference between these two wisdoms. And that Solomon tells us, again in Proverbs, God does that. The Lord gives wisdom. Proverbs 2.6, the Lord gives wisdom. Still, though it is God's gift to us, that Old Testament book of Proverbs tells us to pursue it. To pursue it. He says, My son, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure as hidden treasure. So before God gives you that ability to distinguish between that which is wisdom from above and that which is wisdom from below, you need that desire. You need that desire for this wisdom, which I would suggest includes also the opposite, an aversion. That means a loathing, a strong dislike for that wisdom from below. And for that, dear Christian, ask God. For that, dear Christian, ask God. That means pray to God. And James already mentioned that in his letter, James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So even before that gift and ability of recognizing this wisdom is that desire having a desire to possess this wisdom, this wisdom that comes from above, and that, of course, on our own, we are not wise. God alone is wise. Remember the hymn, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. And God alone can give wisdom, wisdom from above, to those who ask for it, along with the desire to recognize recognize it. Now think of what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, a young pastor by the name of Timothy. He wrote, from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
So God answers our prayers. And he gives to us the sacred scriptures, the sacred writings, holy scripture that makes us wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, as Paul says, Timothy had been acquainted with this from childhood. But to me, that word childhood is rather indefinite. Childhood could be those preschool age kiddos who I lead chapel with. It could be the elementary age school kids. They're also in childhood. But that's not what Paul was writing here. He actually used the word for infancy. Infancy. So as a baby, Timothy's mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, had been reading to him the sacred writings, the sacred scriptures. And that wisdom from above had a powerful effect on that man. As Timothy grew physically, so he matured spiritually. Timothy became a well-grounded adult believer, and he became a valuable assistant to the Apostle Paul. And not only because of this early acquaintance starting at infancy, it was an ongoing acquaintance, an ongoing acquaintance with the sacred scriptures. Now, I'm sure that mom and grandma, Eunice and Lois, prayed for Timothy, prayed that God would give Timothy the gift of faith, prayed that God would keep Timothy in the faith, prayed that Timothy would mature in the faith. And I'm sure that Timothy, as he grew, that became his prayer as well for himself, that he would continue to desire and recognize, that he would continue to pursue and treasure God's wisdom from above, God's wisdom from above. And, of course, to turn away from that wisdom, which is from below. Shouldn't that be our prayer as well? For ourselves, for our children, for our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, for everyone here at Trinity, for all who confess the name of Christ Jesus. Let's take up and have that prayer that we all would recognize, desire, pursue, and treasure God's wisdom from above, which brings salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That you and I and our children, that all here at Trinity, that all in every Christian congregation would mature in knowing God's word, that we might always take it up, that we would use it and live by it. Let's think about that for a moment. God's word. God's word. You know, at one time, even if you wanted to read God's Word, you couldn't do it. Why? It was in a foreign language. It was in Latin. A foreign language in Latin. And so there was a great ignorance for what God had actually written. But during the Reformation, thankfully, Martin Luther changed that. During the Reformation, Martin Luther translated the Bible into German so that the German people could hear it, could read it, could learn it, could study it. That what God was speaking to them in the German language. And at that time, the Lutheran church was known as the Bible church. The Bible church. Because Lutherans were hearing it, were reading it, were learning and studying God's holy word. But I'm sure you know there continues to be a great 
biblical ignorance, illiteracy. Satan has been trying hard and he seems to be so successful in separating us from God's word of truth, making us to think other things are so much more important than us gathering in church, hearing God's word, and studying it together as a congregation. Because Satan knows that the word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and he wants to destroy our faith. And so it should be no surprise that long ago, some were hearing the Word of God and reading the Word of God because the Bible in German was new. It was unique. It was a novelty. A novelty. You know what happens when there's a new restaurant that opens up in Atchison? Everyone turns out to check it out because it's new. It's a novelty. But sadly, at times, over the crowd's then stop. And eventually that happened with the hearing and reading of the Bible. When the novelty of it wore off, when the risque of it wore off. And those who stopped, they either really never recognized and treasured and desired that wisdom which is from above, or they purposely rejected it thinking that other things, the wisdom from below is much more important than all those other things that could be taken care of instead of reading God's Word. But dear Christian, don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. The Bible teaches us this. In this life, we will know our Lord Jesus Christ in no other way than through the Word of God. That's so important. Let me repeat it again. In this life, you will not know Jesus apart from the Word of God. And so to ignore God's wisdom from above is to reject God's wisdom from above. And then that's thinking that other things are much more important than God's Word above, God's wisdom from above. And that is, in fact, ignoring, rejecting, and thinking other things are more important than Him who is wisdom incarnate. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who came to earth to suffer, die, and rise again for us. And so that brings us to the importance of today, Sunday School Rally Day, and Try It Out Sunday for us in adult Bible class. Now, of course, neither of those things are found in Scripture, but the general principle is to desire that wisdom from above. Sunday School and adult Bible classes is, in fact, that pursuing of the wisdom which is above, from above. It's growing in this wisdom, which is so, so very important for us as a congregation. Because congregational conflict will come up. Congregational strife will come up. When other yucky stuff that James wrote about will come up. Such And when things... When those such things get started, generally they're started by those that pursue a wisdom from below, not a wisdom from above. That wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And if a congregation wants to be about what her Lord has given her to do, she needs people. She needs lots and lots of people who are knowing the Word of God, who are growing in the Word of God, in that wisdom which is from above. That's so that the attempts of these baby Christians or these 
pre-Christians, they're not yet Christians, in stirring up strife and conflict, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Fall on deaf ears. Well, really not deaf ears, but ears more in tuned to the wisdom from above than the wisdom that is from below. And so parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, it is so, so very important for you you personally to be reading the Word of God at home and then also coming to Bible class. Reading God's Word at home and coming to Bible class. First off, for yourself personally. That you might be growing and maturing even more as a child of God. But also so kids around you see you doing this. Your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids and of course all the other kids here at Trinity, that they're seeing you, an adult Christian, reading, studying, and learning the Word of God. And they need to see that when they get older, that's what they need to do too. They need to continue to be growing in God's Word. That's how we receive these little ones in Jesus' name. So I want you to think about a piece of paper. Imagine a piece, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper in your mind, blank. Okay? That represents all there is to know in the Bible about God, about Jesus, about salvation, about forgiveness, all the things that are written in the Bible. Now imagine a pencil in your hand, maybe a pen. Make a circle about how much you actually know about these things. Now I don't know about you, but for me, my circle would be quite small, quite small. That reminds me, and as you think about this, that reminds you how important it is that we keep on hearing and reading and learning and studying and thinking about God's holy word. But there's another reason for this. And it's a much more compelling reason than just knowledge, though knowledge of God's word is so, so very important. It's because God's word is power. God's word is power. Jesus says, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. Tim, uh, Peter writes, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, the living and enduring word of God. Paul writes in Romans, the gospel is the power of God, the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And he writes later in Romans, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God's word is power. When God's word is read and heard, when it's studied and learned, the Holy Spirit is working. He's working, creating faith, strengthening faith, maturing faith, building faith up in those who hear and believe what they hear. And we need that power. Satan is real. And Satan is never going to stop his attacks trying to separate us from the Word of God, trying to destroy our faith. So we need God's powerful Word, each of us personally and, of course, for those nearest and dearest to us. We've heard about the armor of God the last couple of Sundays. Call that to mind again. Call to mind this gigantic conflict we can't see against us and the spiritual forces of darkness and evil. Obviously, knowing this, you're going to take up the armor of God. But you also take it up for those who are nearest and dearest to you. You know, right? 
Satan is aiming his arrows right at you and those you dearly love who believe in Jesus. You believe that Jesus is you believe that Jesus has given us this armor of God, so just as a Roman soldier would use his shield of faith and his sword of the Spirit to protect himself, so he might also use it to protect those closest to him. And that's what you could do as well. Open your mouth and tell those around you, especially your kids and grandkids, how important Jesus is to you. All that Jesus has done for you, tell to your kids. Open your mouth and tell these things to them. And then show it by the way you live your life. Read your Bible on your own. Lead your family in prayer and devotion and the reading of God's Word. Make church your first priority in the week, gathering for worship and Sunday school the priority for Sunday morning. And expect this of your kids. Don't be the kind of mom and dad who make your kids hate church because you send them off to church and Sunday school, but you stay home to rest, to do stuff around the house, or you go out shopping, making your kids grow up hating church because they're made to go. Now, as we think about this, we realize, I'm sure, how far we've fallen short in this in pursuing this wisdom from above in one way or another, that we've not valued it as we should. And if the Spirit is showing you this, if He's moving you to be sorry for this, that's good, because the Spirit will also direct you to your Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered and died for that sin as well as every other sin. If you're not sorry for this and you, continue, you want to continue to ignore that wisdom from above, don't think of Jesus suffering and dying for you His blood doesn't cover that sins. Your Savior moves you to look to Him for forgiveness. That forgiveness spoken to you in absolution. That forgiveness that comes at the baptismal font. That forgiveness that comes as the gospel is read and proclaimed. That forgiveness that's present to you in the Holy Supper. And with that forgiveness, your Savior and the Spirit is going to move you to pursue that wisdom from above, to desire it, to recognize it, and to love it. As I close, remember those words of Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so James writes today, Humble yourself before the Lord. Draw near to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And he adds that promise. He will exalt you. He does that through his wisdom from above. Wisdom from above. Desire it. Recognize it. Pursue it. Treasure it. Believe it. And live by it. All for God's glory and the welfare of people around us. Amen.